Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit D'Addario.com woodwinds. For me, I guess, too, like with Clarinet, I, I, the concept is, although it is an interview show, it's also just like, I, I view it as kind of a conversation between clarinetists, right? So I'm not really, I am interviewing them, but it's almost as if like we went out for a beer to talk about the topic, you know? Like we just have a real conversation. Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 87 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet, with the neatest people in the industry. On today's episode of the show, I have sort of a special conversation or discussion, I guess, that, that happened at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I was invited to speak for a podcasting class that's run by a woman named Meg Wilcox, who is a journalist and instructor with Mount Royal's journalism program. Um, she's running, I think it's the first class of its kind at the university for podcasting specifically. There was five to seven students in this group, sort of a small round table, uh, intimate setting, and um, they all had to prepare a question for me, and they all had to listen to an episode of the Clarinet podcast. So here we are spreading, spreading the love for Clarinet even outside of the Clarinet community, which is just wonderful. And I really want to thank Meg for having me out for this occasion. It was just a lot of fun. Let's move on to today's episode. Uh, this is a conversation again at Mount Royal University with uh, Meg Wilcox. Sean, I guess the, the first question is, what made you want to start a podcast? Yeah, um, so for me, the idea of a podcast always was something I was interested in because I like listening to podcasts, right? And I was driving around a lot for what I do for work, and every once in a while I would check in. Um, I did my degree in clarinet performance and was freelancing around the city and uh, playing various things, teaching various things, a lot of driving. So I was always listening to podcasts, but I started to get tired of the ones I was listening to and, and wanted something more clarinet-oriented. Um, but I could never find one, and so I, I would check for several months Every once in a while, I'd just sort of check in on iTunes, and there never was anything. And, and one day, I was chatting with my repair person um, for about an hour. Like, we just got, a, got going about all sorts of really random stuff related to the clarinet. And I suddenly realized, like, oh, wait a minute, this would be exactly the kind of conversation I want, what, would want to listen to. And I bet there's other people out there like me that are kind of at this point in their career or are in college or you know some stage of their clarinet development that would find this really interesting. And so I just kind of started. I, I got my mic and made a couple phone calls, and, and, and Peter was one of the first people in the first season that I, I had on, and um, he, that's my repair person. Went up to his house, actually, in Penticton and, and did that interview. It was really fun. But, uh, but yeah, so it just kind of got started out of uh, need, which I think is a really good reason to start a podcast, especially if it's a niche that's not been filled yet, and you think there might be people that can, can fill it. So you mentioned just picking up a mic and starting. What? How did you actually go about your first episode or or starting the podcast? Um, honestly, it started by accident because I <laughs> I had started a Facebook page. I just called it the Clarinet Podcast and was kind of screwing around making it. And uh, I didn't realize it was public and people started following it. 
And I was like, all right, I better make a, make a podcast now. And so um, I did like a demo podcast just at home. I recorded this little short five minute like intro because that was advisable at the time to do that. I don't know if it has any real benefit to be honest, but um, it was sort of just an intro of what was to come. And I hadn't actually recorded any of it yet. So it was kind of a risk, I suppose. But I mentioned four guests I was going to be having on and talked about what it was and said, you know, check back in a month here. There'll be a podcast here. And, and I spent the next couple of weeks putting together material. And so that was in December 2015. And then December 2018, it actually, sorry, 16, it started um, because I'd recorded and talked to the guests and edited and gotten it on iTunes and all these various different things. So when you picked up your microphone and decided what your first episode was going to be, how did you decide that and what was that first episode? Uh, well, clarinet was the, the concept idea was um, what's new and neat for clarinet because there is no entertainment tonight that wants to have on like big clarinet artists or, for shame. you know, no one, yeah, no one else besides me and very few others care about, you know, the launch of the next, you know, exciting barrel product or whatever. Like it seems ridiculous almost, right? But, um, but there was nothing like that. So I wanted to feature artists and, and products and manufacturers and uh, anything just sort of under the umbrella of clarinet, right? So um, the first interview was actually a guy named Ryan Pereira who has a 3D uh, printing company for clarinet accessories. So that was really cool. But uh, since that, we became friends, and I met him at a couple of clarinet conferences and things like that, and uh, it's been pretty interesting. But um, yeah, I've had everybody on now that really I'd ever could dream of having. It's been pretty great. And uh, from there, just sort of snowballed into different topics and ideas and, and episode styles and things like that. So what would you say was one of the biggest challenges in starting your podcast? What, what were some of the things that stuck out for you being really difficult? Um, Definitely the technical aspects, were, I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't realize how many things went into it. Like, that's why it's so great to have a class like this, you know. I mean, I had to learn, you know, you, I unfortunately learned by doing. <laughs> so it's not that that's unfortunate, really. But what I would suggest definitely is, like, I would say do five or six, seven, eight episodes. Get them kind of in the can. Listen back and go, well, what's working, what's not? And then maybe even redo one or change the formatting or something. If you just start and release, start and release, you sort of learn what's going well on the way and what's going not is kind of stuck there now, you know? So like I knew nothing about editing and, and I don't know, nothing, but not enough to really do it properly. So, but there's a lot of time spent watching YouTube videos and, and contacting people and reading books. I got like six books from Amazon about interviewing and NPR broadcasting and, and all sorts of different stuff. I think that one you have sound Oh, yeah. Sound um, Solutions, Oh, called? gosh. Sound NPR. Reporting. Sound Reporting. Yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty good. The, the best one I read was uh, by Martin Perlick. It's called uh, The Art of the Interview. And that one was really good. And I watched some of his interviews. And I started listening, actually, to interviews and trying to determine what was happening in, in more of that sense from the perspective of the interviewer, too. And I, but, uh, so the technical side was difficult. And also the, like, what I would call the performance side was difficult because um, I didn't really think about it that way at first. I just... I was just talking at a microphone, and I didn't realize I had to project, speak clearly, <laughs> you know. Um, to me, at first, I was sort of just whispering, talking to this microphone in my basement, like, there's no one else around. Why would I talk loudly, you know? <laughs> like, it was sort of, so listening back is kind of awkward. I don't know if any of you listened to the first few episodes instead of the last few, but, but um, it was, it's different to listen back to. It's totally different. The flow is different. The feel is different. Like, at that point, I, I, th I felt like I was just conveying information. I didn't realize I needed to be there personality-wise for it. So, yeah, it was, it was a lot of stuff to learn. And I, it, honestly, if I'd known 
back then, what I didn't know, I probably wouldn't even have gotten started. <laughs> now but. everyone's face drops for a moment <laughs> as they go, what have I done? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned that you sort of learn as you go. Can you think of moments, like, how did you learn? Was there just a moment where you're listening and after listening to a bunch of podcasts, you go, wait, that doesn't sound right anymore? Or w did people give you feedback? How, how did you start to make those changes? Yeah, some of it was feedback. I mean, there was one thing you're probably trying to draw that story about though, without further ado out of me. Oh, no. I wasn't, oh, no? but okay. it's a good one. You can use it. Yeah, so like there was this one instance where I'd released a about 10 episodes, and uh, finally this guy, I hadn't received any feedback, but I was getting quite a few downloads, like, you know, 100 and something per episode. I was like, well, someone's listening to this. I mean, I don't know where they are, what they're doing, but they're, they're doing it, you know? And so finally this guy sent me an email. He's like, look, every time you're about to introduce the guest, you always say, without further ado, I bring you or whatever, you know? And he's like, I hate that phrase. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, and at first I was like, man, that's so rude. I can't believe someone would would write this in and have received nothing nice, but now there's this, like this is like, you know, at first I was like, ah, you know? But then I was like, wait a minute, this is awesome. It means he's listened to all 10 episodes. Like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and so I just replied and said, okay, like, what would you like me to say? <laughs> what should I say? You know, it would be better. And, and I think looking back, that's a huge moment because like that, you have to be willing to kind of adapt and, and change and, and take good advice, you know, not get so personally offended about everything. Even if it is kind of offensive, I mean, it's true. <laughs> You know, and I hate that phrase too, so I don't know why I was saying it. Um, so it just made me be a little more mindful about what I was saying and being exactly the same every single episode and, and trying to have a bit different flow and better conversation. And, uh, and uh, I think a big thing is just trying to understand that you can find the solutions to a lot of things. Like they might seem complicated, but I mean, we're not going to the moon, right? It's, it's, a lot of it can be found out if you just look for the answers, you know? Mm -hmm. So as you're working on your podcast, you mentioned you have about 10 episodes out. You know people are sort of listening. You mentioned the 170-ish downloads per episode. And then with the exception of Without Further Ado Guy, mm -hmm. how do you start to realize that people are listening and engaging and you start to realize there's a bit of a community behind this? It's um, a good question. I guess for me, the first time I really realized I'd made an impact or change or there was a community around it. Like I know I had a Facebook following and I know there were people commenting and on the Facebook posts and stuff like that, Facebook posts. Um, but uh, the first time I, I realized it was something more interesting than maybe I thought was I went down to Clarinet Fest in, <laughs> in 2016 in uh, Kansas. I had taken a bunch of cards like this with me to give out to people and uh, just walking around trying to advertise the podcast. And I was also at that point sponsored by Diderio, which is a large read company, and they had put the stuff in their, their booth. and. So, but I went around trying to give these cards to people and, and people would get the card and they'd be like, oh, I already know about this, thanks. And I was like, first I was getting kind of frustrated. I was like, oh, this is annoying. I can't find anyone to, to give these to. I hasn't already heard about it. And then I was like, well, wait a second. And one lady was actually listening to it when I walked up to her. She's like, oh yeah, you're Sean. I'm listening to this right now. Wait, like, so you walked up to a woman in Kansas at a clarinet <laughs> yeah, festival while phone, she was yeah. listening to your clarinet-based podcast. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre. Meta. Um, <laughs> I know, but I, I, was, I was frustrated at first, and then I realized, like, wait a second, like, everyone here knows who I am. This is bizarre, or at least what it is, you know? Um, so that was, that had been about six months into it, because that was in June or July, and I started it in January, and that was just kind of like a, whoa... <laughs> That's sort of interesting, you know? And um, the second Clarinet Fest I went to, it was to the point where people like, wanted pictures and knew who I was. Like, just, it was really kind of bizarre, actually. But, but um, yeah, it was interesting, because I didn't know that there was that sort of following or discussion. And you know, I don't really do this very much, but if I follow any of the Clarinet bulletin boards and stuff that are out there, um, oftentimes people will post a 
reference to one of the episodes or discuss it or say, oh, I found this out from, from Sean's show or whatever. And I don't know, it's interesting because you don't, in, in, when you're podcasting, you're just in your basement. Like there's not even a job to go to for the day. It's not like a journalist working at a radio station where you have an office and a little, you know, colleagues and things like that. It's just kind of. Fewer colleagues these days. Few, but yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. <laughs> It seems sort of like lonely almost. It's like just down in your basement. You don't realize the impact that can potentially happen from it. So, but uh, yeah, that was. Well, and, and that sort of leads to my next question, which is why do you think the podcast has been so successful? Um, I'm brilliant. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think it's because there was a need for it. Like, I think that I, I think that there's more people like me out there who wanted to listen to this, you know? And I think that it, it's, uh, I think it's actually as, as weird as it sounds, like it's sort of to my benefit that I'm not a huge name symphony player or something. I th I'm just a normal guy who plays clarinet and I'm interested in it. And I know I yeah, have my fair share of work that I do with it, but I'm, I wasn't well known, you know? And I think that a lot of people, it resonates with them because they're in that boat too. And they can relate to me and then, and actually that's what happens too at these festivals is people come up and feel like they know me. And, I feel bad because I don't, but it's just, that's what they feel, you know? Um, so they've listened to 82 episodes or whatever, and there's a point where, like, you just kind of know somebody you think, right? And, and But unfortunately, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know them <laughs> in return. But, um, yeah, I'd say that's... So if you think about those first episodes and mm -hmm. where you are now, you know, about, like, you know, 70, 80-ish episodes now in, yeah. where, what would you say is the biggest change that's happened to the podcast? Uh, I've really refined it. I say I've, I've, I've figured out more of the performance type stuff, like as far as talking, like you were talking about how the voice in radio is in kind of like almost your instrument kind of thing. And I hadn't thought about that, but it makes a lot of sense. Interestingly, I had not thought about it like that for <laughs> the podcast, but um, I'd say just figuring out kind of the flow and the voice and what it should sound like. And even little things like where to put the housekeeping in the episode. Um, I started out by putting it at the top of the episode, but it was advised to me by those people from the podcast review show or whatever, to put it at the, at the end of the episode because that's where the true fans are. The, the ones who don't care about the housekeeping are going to skip it anyways. And if someone's listened to your whole show, they're going to listen to the housekeeping. But if they haven't listened to the whole show, just put it at the end so they can just enjoy the show and <laughs> get to the show, you know? And that, for me, it felt way more comfortable at that point, too. It was like, oh, this is, this is better, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so just, I think... So much has changed. I could, could barely listen back to the other ones. It's pretty, it's, I almost wanted to take them down, but there's just so much value left in them, you know. They're still good conversations, but uh, yeah, things really improved as far as audio quality and, I mean, form, performance elements. I mean, everything I found has been almost like sculpted to be better. <laughs> yeah, each it's episode better. is a better yeah, iteration it's, it's, of what you're doing. Yeah, not, maybe not each episode, because sometimes it's just, you know, the guest has a bad mic or... You know, that's one of the challenges of podcasting. There's no control over that stuff sometimes. But um, as a whole, like, it's moving towards a different, better kind of concept. So. so in terms of the listenership of your show, how would you describe your listenership and, and numbers? Um, yeah, I mean, that was something. So at the beginning, like, well, I don't know if you guys read all these books or listened to some of these podcasting podcasts, you know, getting all into that. But um they always talk about, uh, what's the word? Oh, your avatar, I think is what it is. Like, who is the exact person who this is meant for? And I always found that to be kind of limiting, but then I realized that it was really just meant for me. <laughs> like, you know, it's people like me, right? So I just kind of looked at what I would want to hear about, you know? Um, so that's kind of what I did. I just sort of framed it around people who are sort of like me. And I've had to kind of expand it both ways. 
outwards. What I mean by that is like if someone says a term that I know I understand, I do generally ask the the, the interviewee to just describe it if it's jargon or technical, you know, because there could be a high school student listening, you know, there could be someone in junior high even, there could be an older person who's taking up the instrument, and I have many of those actually that reach out to me, but um, they may not know and I don't want them to feel left out, right? But I also go both ways, I mean, it, it has to stretch beyond my interest. I, I maybe am not that interested in klezmer, or I've never really played klezmer style, but, but um, many people do, so I've tried to kind of expand who I am to accommodate the show, but also um, reach to different levels of people who could be like me but aren't exactly like me. Um, Numbers-wise, it's interesting because a lot of the podcasting shows and, and podcasting podcasts and podcasting books that, that become podcasts and everything, all these things, they always make it seem like you need to reach huge download numbers. And in my experience and the experience of the people who I know doing this, um, don't necessarily have to do that. I mean, I would say that the best clarinet episodes, as far as download numbers, clarinet rather, are getting like I don't know five to seven, eight thousand downloads, which is a lot. Um, but it's not what they tell you you need. It's not you know? serial, yeah. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not serial. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, but and the ones that are less than that. I mean, I found out, for example, that if a podcast gets, I think it's more than three hundred fifty downloads in the first forty-eight hours, it's like in the top ten to twenty percent of all podcasts. So that gives you some real, like, kind of a wake-up call, you know. I mean, if you're getting a couple hundred downloads in the first week, you're doing great, you know. Um, so, but yeah, I found now that it's, I think some algorithms have changed in iTunes and stuff, so it fluctuates. But it'll be on average about, you know, at this point, six to 10,000 downloads a month, which is, and it's reaching 80, 90 countries now, which is pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I just don't think it needs, I don't think there is a huge base you know, how many people play clarinet and are also interested to listen in something like that? It, it takes a special kind of interest to bother with a show like this, right? Um, but that said, I mean, you say the numbers aren't amazing, right? They're not serial grade, but you have managed mm -hmm. to secure sponsorship yeah. and funding through that. So uh, I, maybe you could share a little bit about that and how that's worked out. Yeah, so I mean, I reached out for the sponsorship really early because um, I just knew I was onto something and I knew that there was value here to be had. And also I wanted... Um, some kind of financial backing for it because like, honestly I was really busy and I wanted to be able to make sure I could do this without like extraordinary sacrifice because it, it gets expensive when you start doing it properly like buying a new microphone or computer or traveling or whatever you know um, and uh, not to mention the hosting fees and all this stuff right so yeah I reached out to sponsors rather early and uh, they were really great about supporting the idea and, and they still are they're still on board after all these episodes and um, yeah it's been a good Good relationship is that, but I, I would scratch if you're looking for sponsors. Like, just again, scratch all the the rules away because it's not about the. They'll say, "Oh, you can ask for you know point three cents per download or whatever," and maybe that's how it works. Maybe that's how it's supposed to work, but that's not that's not how I made it work. I just was like, "Look, this is what it cost me to produce. Let's break even here and and uh, for a while, and then as we go on, we'll talk." You know, like, and so I got a number that worked for me and worked for them and. It works. <laughs> and so, how early on did that start? Uh, I think that started in month three or four. So I'd had about a back catalog of, I don't know, 12 or 16 episodes. Um, I think they came in around episode 20. Yeah. yeah. But it was, uh, and, and so that was a good uh, thing to pursue. I think, it, strangely enough, I think it legitimizes the show because people listen and they go, oh, I know what Daddario is. 
that's interesting. Diderio sponsors this. Like, I'll, I'll listen, you know. But I think it also, in some ways, limits the guests I can have on because I'm not going to have on probably, I mean, it's never happened. I, I guess it could theoretically, but um, the direct competitor, I don't know why they would want to have their interview sandwiched between two ads for their, their biggest competition. <laughs> like, I, I, if it was me, I probably wouldn't do that, <laughs> you know. Um, so I guess in some ways, maybe that's limitation, but um, I think it's important that an advertiser is, like, right in with your niche, though. Like, um, so that actually leads to, if we, you think about the day-to-day -day and what it's required to run a podcast... What, how would you explain that to someone who maybe hasn't done this before? It, it's, it depends what you're trying to do. I mean, if you just want to record something very basic and just throw it up there, I mean, yeah, people do that, unfortunately, in my opinion, but they do do it. Um, I think it's important that you identify a need in an audience and don't produce something that is honestly quite, I don't want to say useless, but like a, there are shows like that. You, you tune in and you're like, what? what? Like, what's happening, right? Like, why, why am I here? It's like wandering into a room. And like nothing's in order and there's a bunch of people there you don't know. You just end up kind of creeping out again and you don't go back, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's you, a well, great visual. It is. I mean, that's how I feel when I get to a podcast like that. It's like, you know, you just kind of, t you're in the middle of a conversation that makes no sense. You can always tell these kind of shows because they usually swear a lot too. And there's like one microphone in a room of 10 people and none of it's mixed properly. And I don't know. Anyways, I don't like shows like that. But <laughs> um, um, I, I think that sometimes people ask me even like, oh, well, how could it possibly take a long time? I mean, it sounds, sounds like it doesn't take that much effort. It's just audio, right? It's like, well, I mean, anything that takes a lot of work and sounds really good um, sounds like it's easy. <laughs> you know, like that's the point of playing an instrument to a high level too is to make it look, to make something very hard look very easy, you know? And so with the podcast, I mean, this one lady, I remember she said, look, I, I see you're asking for support on Patreon. She's like, I don't mean to be rude, but like, why would you need that? <laughs> like what? And I said, well, I mean, did you know this takes me 20, 30 hours a week if I'm not careful, you know, um, and hundreds of dollars a month. And, and it's a lot of effort. Like you need to be editing show notes, uh, recording, scheduling, uh, dealing with bizarre website issues that crop up every 48 hours for no reason. <laughs> like it's, it's, there's so many steps and so much effort that goes into doing it well, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a serious effort, you know? And like I said at the beginning, it doesn't really have to be that way, but like I wanted it to be that way. Like I wanted a show for clarinetists that was edited properly and, and put out there. I didn't want just to kind of throw them up with no editing and, and it detracts from it, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's a lot of day to day, week to week. And at the design talk, I remember talking about like trying to design your podcast so it fits into your life because that becomes an important element. You know, this may be a weird analogy, but it's kind of like getting a pet. I mean, all of a sudden you have to walk the dog. <laughs> you have to feed the dog or it's going to die, you know? Like, if you don't feed your podcast, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, so I guess it's kind of working it into your life in a way and, and spending the time and making it happen, mm -hmm. which is hard, actually, especially some weeks. So now it's been about two-ish years that you've had the podcast out. Yep. Where do you see it going in the future? Yeah, I'm kind of changing the concept right now. Like, I've done a lot of interviews, um, just straight-up interviews, like, tell me about your childhood and you know, all the way to whatever they do now. And, and I've, I've since tried to do that less. But, and I know people want to tell their story, but um, it's time for a bit of a change. So this year, I'm going to try and make them more kind of answer-oriented. So, like, more for clarinetists who maybe don't want the interview style but still want to learn about clarinet. So it's not going to be strictly educational, but for example, it might be something like, um, you know, 
today we're going to talk about injury prevention for musicians and I might introduce the topic and why it's important and then for 20 minutes like here's a specialist about this topic and then it ends. So it's not going to be like here's this person and tell me all of your life stories. It's, it's going to be more focused and just as an experiment like honestly it's just something I want to try. Um, also I'm experimenting with some new formats. I mean one guest had this idea uh, a, re a coming up episode which is going to be really hard to edit uh, but uh, he had this idea of okay well it's his second time coming back on the podcast. I've asked him all the basic questions already. Um, so, I shouldn't say basic questions. There are no basic questions. I, they're all, I do them all very structured and different. But, but um, he was like, well, hey, I have this duo and we wanted to talk about arranging for my duo. Why don't you just kind of sit in virtually on a rehearsal and, and we talk through stuff and you can ask questions as they come up. And I was like, oh, this is an awesome idea. You know, so I tuned in on Skype and they chatted and warmed up and had a rehearsal and interacted and I got to kind of, hey, wait a minute, why are you doing that kind of thing? And uh, it's a different concept, but, and maybe not everyone will like it, but maybe new people will like it, you know, and you don't have to listen to every episode. That's the other nice thing about a podcast, like you're not tied to the chair, forced to listen because you download a clarinet. Like it's, if you don't like this episode or not interested in the guest or the topic, like that's okay. <laughs> um, I do that all the time with episodes of podcasts, especially when you get the same guest on 20 episodes and then you're like, okay, well, I've heard this person talk before. I don't really need another one, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the direction I would say is I'm trying to change the format so it's more answer oriented. Very Short cool. story long, you know. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think we should open up the floor. What questions do you guys have? I guess I can go. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I was wondering, um, you mentioned previously that there, there was a need or there is a need for a clarinet podcast, but what are the challenges that you face, um, if any, um, finding topics of conversation or people willing to talk about such a niche topic? Uh, yeah, it's a good question, actually, but the, the problem is actually that there's too much. Like, people apply. I have a guest application form on the website, and, like, I have literally dozens of wow. people who apply, and they... So what they do is they come on the website... And if I invite them, as a, I used to have it by invitation only, but I since opened it up because that's some interesting, interesting interviews coming that way. But so people can go in there, they click, um, they read my release form, they submit all their information, like their name, their, their bio, their topic. I even ask them like, what kind of mic they're going to use and, and I get them to upload a picture. And then that, that goes to my show notes person and, and me. We make the website page from that. But um, anyways, they can just apply. And not everyone who applies that I accept kind of thing. Like, I don't know, sometimes it's just like, well, I don't really know how to make a topic out of this, or maybe they're just a student or whatever. I don't mean just a student in a derogatory way, but maybe there's nothing <laughs> to talk about yet, yet, you know? Like maybe they haven't, like just because you play the clarinet doesn't really make you a good guess. You have to, mm -hmm. there has to be something that is interesting, you know? And actually sometimes there is a, there is, is a student or something that's interesting, but, but just because you apply doesn't mean it's necessarily gonna happen. Um, and then I go through and kind of think about it and. And sometimes that process is really long. Like, I've got such a backlog right now. It could be months before I get to someone who's in there, you know. And uh, sometimes I connect with someone at, like, one year, and then the next year it seems to be we connect. And it's just, there's almost too much to talk about, yeah. Like, it, it sounds odd, but there's just so many different topics and people. And um, you have to be not afraid to have the same conversation with other guests, too. Like, if you're talking about, I don't know, extended techniques or whatever, I mean, you could literally talk to that to every person again. You could have the whole show again with all those people, right? They would all have different perspectives. So yeah, if anything, it's a problem of narrowing it down to what what it should be and who, who should be on. It's hard because like um, one of the guys was a student or just a recent graduate when he, when he first contacted me. And it was what made me realize that it's important not just to talk to people who are at the end of their, not the end of their careers, but, but uh, 
a long way into their careers because sometimes the people offering the fresh perspective are the, are the most interesting, you know. And uh, the people at the beginning of their careers, really, you know. So like, uh, like the guy I'm referring to, his name is Eric Salazar. I don't know if anyone listened to that episode with the Facebook. Maybe not. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was great. Like, he was like 22 years old or something at the time and, and just kind of called me. and was like, hey, I really want to be on the show. And I was like, all right, well, what do you do? Tell me about it, you know. And he was into music business. And I was like, okay, great. That's, that sounds awesome. But, you know, it's got to be new and neat. <laughs> Clarinet. Clarinet. Um So I'm Halen. Uh, you went through most of the questions that I had in the first place, but I guess my the only one that I would have that I think would be interesting is how does it feel being on the other side of the mic, being the subject of the interview rather than the host asking the questions? Like right now, you mean? Yeah. Um, it's actually funny because I've done this before in the podcast, actually. Uh, sometimes I like to... There's a whole like network of us that keep in touch in like music podcasting. You know, we created like what they call a mastermind, and I'm actually chatting with them tonight a bit. But it, it's helpful. We check in every two weeks, and it's like okay, like we sort of pool our knowledge and skills and work it out, and you know what challenges are you facing, kind of thing, and we we work them out. And and a long time ago, one of the things we decided was to kind of feature each other on each other's episode. First of all, to try and sort of cross market, but but also just to go behind the scenes a bit and interview the host. You know, so like. Uh, uh, Jason Heath, who runs a contrabass podcast, with uh, it gets like a million downloads a year. It's a huge podcast, but but um, we interviewed each other for each other's respective shows. So I was a host. I was a I was a guest host on his show, and he guest hosted on mine and interviewed me. So um, it's uh, I don't know. I think it's just an, just another conversation. I don't really think of it differently. In fact, I have, my problem is I I want to like start in. You know, asking you questions. <laughs> and you can't. And You're can't. not allowed. Not allowed. <laughs> I had to sign something. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I just see it like a conversation. I, I For me, I guess too, like with Clarinet, I, I, the concept is, although it is an interview show, it's also just like, I, I view it as kind of a conversation between clarinetists, right? So I'm not really, I am interviewing them, but it's almost as if like we went out for a beer to talk about the topic. You know, like we just have a real conversation. I think that's another reason people like it, actually. It's not just like, you know, so tell me your childhood clarinet story. <laughs> and then they do, and then it's like, okay, well now tell me where you went to school. You know, it's, you know, like people, I don't know if people want to listen to that, you know? So I, I try and do a lot of research and identify like the things about the person that make them interesting and worthy of the conversation. And then we have a conversation, it's not really a, that's how I see it anyways, maybe that helps me. But uh, I imagine some people would face it, it differently or think about it differently, but I guess I, I guess I just kind of don't. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's also, I imagine, a bit of a passion project for you either way, right? Like you're doing this because you're passionate about clarinet. So whether you're asking questions to people or you're answering questions about it, it's coming from your interest in the topic. Yeah, we're just talking not about Not necessarily seeing yourself in a, in a specific role. Yeah. I mean, there is some sort of, um, on that episode with Jason, he asked me similar questions actually about this. And I think I gave, honestly, probably a more insightful answer. But, but, I, <laughs> but I mentioned a little more about how, like, um, you know, to try and see it as what it is if you're interviewing you have to try and draw good questions out you're not you're not just kind of or sorry good answers through good questions you're not just going to sit there and 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 talk like you're by yourself like you have to keep the audience in mind i mean whether or not you want to break that fourth wall or whatever they call it and you know, address the audience that's up to you but but they still are going to be there you know and um so you want to think about the, the structure and the shape of the show but i, I don't want to let it detract too much from conversation. So I guess when I turn it around and it's turned on me, I just, uh, I try to just go with the flow and 
and experience it and try and enjoy it and from that perspective. So, uh, My name is Dan. A uh, couple questions for you, uh, kind of they tie in with each other. Why did you start when you started, like in December 2015? And then when did you kind of realize you had the potential uh, to start what you did? I don't know. It's <laughs> a good question. I, I, think it's, <laughs> I think that's when I had the idea. Um, in December 2015, and I, I just decided to wait till the new year to launch it, so it oh. would already be a year old. Hmm. Um, but I had the idea in, in probably December-ish 2015, and that's when I put together the pilot, was December 2015, and I built the website. And um, Actually, building the website without any content was one of the hardest things to do, because it's like, well, what's going to be here? There's nothing, right? So the website was awful for the first little while. while well, you built up content because there's nothing to go there. It was just like my bio in the first pilot episode. It was kind of tough. But, but um, and then the second part of your question, like realizing the potential of like of the being able to do it. Or yeah. Was it? I never really thought about that. I just I just did it. I didn't really think about whether or not I could do it. Honestly, I, <laughs> well, fair answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really think like that. I just if there's something that you want to do, like it's I don't know. It didn't seem like it would be that hard. Did you think it would take off the way it did when you first started? No, I didn't think it would be of wide interest like it has been. I, I really was just doing it out of self-interest, and I, I, I was just betting that there would be people who would listen too, you know. Um, but uh, at the first, like especially at first, even if there was no one listening, I was still really enjoying it, and those episodes kind of are odd to listen to, but maybe it's because I wasn't thinking about anybody else at that point. It was more, they were more for me, and I was trying to kind of figure out how to market it to people who I didn't even know who they were. It was a tough thing, you know. But... Um, I, no, I just, you try and take things in bite-sized chunks. Like, you can't worry about it all in one go. Like, maybe today your problem is, like, man, my interface isn't working or something. I mean, how do I record the audio? That was a big thing, too. Like, I didn't know. You had to learn all these things, right? So just chunk by chunk and just go through it until it kind of worked. I don't know. My name is Ricardo Andres. And um, I was wondering, you were mentioning that uh, people were listening to your podcast because you were relatable to them. And there's like, oh, maybe you can learn some things. And, but how has that, like having the podcast, how has that um, made your career mm. flourish? That's or if it did? It ruined my career. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. No, it's been great. It's been great. Like I, I just connected with so many great people. I've made new friends. That's been the biggest thing. It's like I, I have people that I never would have realized even existed, let alone been like able to meet and talk to, and um, so I've I've met some new friends through the, the podcast. Um, it, it got to the point where it, um, like, even when I do local clinics and stuff, people recognize me as like the clarinet guy instead of just like a another clinician coming in. You know, like they they expect that. Um, but but also like beyond that, like career wise, I mean, yeah, I think it's increased. Like for example, the marketability of my CD project, and so I think it built a lot of credibility. Um, and sort of demonstrated skill, you know, like you don't put out 80 episodes of something and not know how to do it, <laughs> you know? So I think it uh, just so much great networking and, and relationship building and, and in the industry, I think it's been really good in that sense. And uh, yeah, it was surprising to me. I didn't expect that to go the way it did, but... Um, about add a bonus. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely contributed, I think, a lot to what I'm doing. I, in some ways, I, I wish I could find a way to boost it more as far as like my playing goes. Like that's the one thing is I don't seem to be getting playing opportunities from it. You know, it's not like someone calls me and is like, hey, I heard you run clarinet. Could you come sub in on our symphony for the weekend? I mean, that's not, <laughs> it's not really happening, right? But it, it's all the peripheral things that are, um, 
are going. And in some ways, I guess I've discovered that my interest in internet and marketing and everything is just as interesting as the clarinet. And so they sort of made myself a, a niche that way, I guess. So, I mean, you get pretty qualified when you, when you know so much about so many different things. And, and clarinet is something which normally you don't know anything about those things. Like, why would someone who plays clarinet know about making a podcast? Like, a, it's, not a normal, it's not a normal skill set, you know? Like, but, um, or running a website or something like that. But no, yeah, it's had a big impact, I think. I know it's your first question there was like redacted or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just classified. It's off the record. What was that one? I don't it's know. Off the record. It's off the record. I'm nervous now. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that was great. I'm Kira. Uh, and my question is uh, Does every single conversation or every single interview that you do turn into an episode? Or have you had bad experiences where you haven't been able to turn an interview into an episode? That's a really good question. Because uh, that's also something you can't foresee, right? Like, I, the first time it happened, I went all the way to Montreal. I was there to see Radiohead, but I was also uh, <laughs> I was also while I was there, I connected with someone who'd already been a guest on the podcast. Um, she uh, maybe I shouldn't say her name, but anyways, I connected with her there because the first time she came on the show, there was a bunch of listener questions. But I, I don't remember what happened. Like we either ran out of time or. I screwed up or something. I forgot to include the listener questions in the episode. And after we got off the phone, I was like, oh, you know, oops, kind of thing. And so I said, you know, look, I'm coming up to Montreal. You live there. Let's get together. And I had just bought this microphone and I hadn't properly tested it. And we went to a cafe, which was also a bad idea. Well, it was, a, <laughs> it was an okay idea. I mean, we had a good conversation, but it was just unusable. Like we had these teenagers beside us who were just screaming the whole time. And the chairs sliding around on the floor sounded like, you know, mini earthquakes. And it just, I couldn't use it. I, it, was use, it was useless. And unfortunately, I have since not been able to get in touch with her again. And uh, it just didn't work. It did, I don't think it looked great on me. I don't think it looked great. And people always requested, like, what happened to that interview? Finally, I just said, look, it's, it's in the garbage. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't use it anymore. It's not okay. Like, it's, it's a problem. I mean, I can... I guess I could air it if you want, but it's not worth listening to, you know? I mean, I thought about, so I thought about transcribing it into a blog post um, and just, just using it. Um, but yeah, that was unfortunately a two-part conversation too. It was long, it was like 80 minutes of conversation. So a really dumb thing was to not, you know, learn how to use the microphone pop properly and check the levels and testing before I did it. Because I was in Montreal, <laughs> like I'd flown across the country and sort of had like a chance to do this. So that was a really big screw up. Um, and uh, the second one was actually more recently I've not used it. I had been, uh, I had an appointment book with somebody to talk. And the moment before we went on the call, I found out my grandmother died and I still did the interview, which was probably a bad idea. And I listened back and I was just like, oh man, I was not really there for this. I was not thinking about it. It's I just called the guy and I was like, look, I mean, I know you talked to me for 45 minutes, but here's the circumstance. Like, I didn't do a very good job of this. I don't think I got the best answers out of you. I got frustrated a couple of times when you weren't answering me the way I wanted. And like, it doesn't, I don't want to air this, you know, can we, can we start again? And he was nice. He called me back and we had a second conversation. But I think that was an important thing because I, it just was, it wasn't good, you know, and it's important to know, like, if it's not good, like it shouldn't go out, you know? Um, and so that was, it, although that was not the easiest thing to do, he was also a good guy, and it was just like, you know, of course he wants to sound good, and he's understanding and all that, right? You know, I don't want to disappoint people either, but there's just times when, like, if, if a thousand people are going to listen, and it's not good, it's not what you wanted, like, 
maybe don't release yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know. quality control. Yeah, quality thing. control yeah. is what it comes down to. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, the content, for example, in the other episode I was talking about, the first one, content was probably great, but I, I don't know, it was so bad otherwise, it's just like, I don't know, it just, I don't think it would have encouraged someone to continue listening if it was their first ever episode. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So... Okay, hello, I'm Grace. <laughs> I'm not sure if you've talked about this, but I was wondering when you started to do the lightning round on your podcast, mm. and what do you think it adds to it? I honestly don't like the lightning round. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I added it because it's a popular thing to do in podcasting. Uh, and I, but I thought, I guess I started it around, I don't know, I was, I, was not that, I was not that consistent with it when I started it. Like, sometimes it was there, sometimes it wasn't. And then, you know, the consistency can be annoying, but it also can be important. Like, people come to expect something at the end like that. So, like, I was doing it sometimes and not others, and people were, like, asking me about it, like, wait, I, was, I listened to this whole episode, and I was really hoping to hear so-and-so's lightning round, and it didn't happen. Like, when's that coming out? Oh, it's not coming out. I didn't bother. Oh, that sucks, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, I took it out completely because I thought it was really tacky, honestly. Um, but lots of people wrote me in, like, oh, I really missed this. I wanted to hear what book this person was going to recommend, and it's gone. Like, and then I tried making it only for Patreon backers. But then I started noticing once I, because you talked about this the other day, too, when you, when you flip it around and start looking at it from another level, um, I realized there was some really good information coming out. So I rewrote the questions. I made them more clarinet-centric and more stuff that would be maybe generating an interesting response. And, and uh, I, I now include it in every episode almost every episode, unless the guest's been on before, or I don't know if I'm going to do it as much going forward because this answer-based episodes may not accommodate it so well, but if it's an interview, like I always put it at the end now if there's time, because people really like to know the book suggestion of the person um, and otherwise. Um, but um, I think the biggest benefit is just like a little piece of consistency because the rest of the show is not consistent in that way, like it's not the same questions for every person. So people can come to expect this little thing at the end that's kind of I don't know, feels safe, <laughs> mm -hmm. feels of interest, you know, to everyone. Hi, my name is Chula, hey. and I'm just wondering, how long does it take to produce an episode, and how much work do you put into it now compared to before you had an editor? Um, I mean, at the beginning, it depends how skillful you get at it, honestly. Like, so at the beginning, like when you're just fumbling through everything and you kind of don't know what you're doing, like you can spend 20, 30 hours on, I would anyways, kind of like really figuring it out, really getting it going, writing good show notes. Like if it's an hour and a half long episode, every listen, every pass through is an hour and a half, you know, like, so to write the show notes takes at least an hour and a half. Um, editing is like two, three hours, booking the guest, having the interview, like, yeah, I would easily get to 10, 20 hours at least. Um, hello, I'm Nathan. And I was wondering, like, what are, what are some of the challenges of going like outside of Calgary for sources and like recording maybe with people who are from different cities and different places? Um, it's just Skype. I record on Skype. Okay. Yeah, so I use a program called Audio Hijack, which allows you to take the Skype recording and your recording and put them on separate tracks, which makes editing really easy. Um, yeah, the, the, the time zones, I guess, are a challenge. I mean, one funny story is I remember twice this happened, actually. One time I was uh, asleep. And I woke up and I was like, oh my God, what time is it? Like, wait a minute, what day is it? <laughs> I, was, I realized I was supposed to be talking to this guy in London in like five minutes and I hadn't even written the questions because I thought it was the next day. And I got this, this message from him. He was running late on the metro or something and was like, 
we're gonna have to move it to another day. And I was like, oh, that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> no, no big deal. And I was like, yes, you know. Yeah. And uh, another time, like I, I actually lost the questions before the interview. But anyways, um, uh, still went okay. But um, uh, sometimes like these people are hours ahead or behind. You know, like if they're in Sweden, it's like, you know, it might be midnight for me, and it's 10 a.m. for them, and it's just the way it is. So the time difference is kind of tough. Um, and uh, yeah, scheduling the time difference is even more tough. I mean, there's applications that let you do it now. Like there's this thing called uh, uh, Calendly or something. It lets you like book times. That's been really convenient, although I don't tend to use it that much because it's it's an extra step. But but um, <laughs> well, but it's a well, lot. It's true. I mean, everything that's five minutes is five minutes, right? I mean, times that by fifty things, and all of a sudden you're really into a lot of work, you know. Um, so, but. Um, yeah, there's just other instances too where like it's been, you know, I think it's one more hour, but it's gotten screwed up somehow. Or same, same for the guests, like, hey, where are you? Like, I'm here, let's do this. And they're somewhere else and literally a different time zone away and they, we don't realize. So yeah, you have to be careful about that with the different time zones. Is there anything we've missed? Anything you'd like to share or, oh, or anything else that you think uh, we, we need to know? You know, it's so funny you say that because <laughs> that's a big thing too. I often forget that like, just because I talk to somebody doesn't mean I got what they came to me to talk about captured. <laughs> you know, like some of the best answers come from that. Um, now, that now that I've set it up that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I got nothing. I nothing. have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, no, I think we covered a lot of stuff. And I think if you want to check out, you know, what it's like to podcast and things, just you should, should try and reach out to some podcasters that are running podcasts you're interested in, as long as they're not like, the Joe Rogan experience or like Sam Harris or something gigantic, like you'll probably hear back from those people, you know? I mean, one of the funny things about Claire Neat too is like people write me messages and when I reply, like they're really surprised that that happens. For, like they, I don't think they realize it's just a guy in his basement, you know? So, but that, that runs both ways because like if you do it well and you're a small production, like also people are less likely to support it because like they don't see the reason to, right, you know? Or at least I think that's one reason. But and also, you know, some people really early on too are like applying for jobs. I'm like, I don't have jobs. I'm like, a, I'm in my basement making a clarinet podcast. Like, there's not even really a job for me here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Let me get on, a job first, know, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, but uh, yeah. And I, I guess so. That's where the interesting idea with the interns was to me is like instead of making it about needing more money, it became about. I realized that the, the monetary need was actually a time need, and. If people were listening and interested, it would be really cool instead of feeling like it needs more money to run, to just spread out the time and let everyone kind of, not everyone be involved, but let people be involved in a meaningful way. And, and they're happy to do that, right? Um, so, but uh, no, as far as like things I wanted to talk about, I think we covered pretty much everything. We got some technical stuff in there. We talked about like hosting the show and making the show. And uh, yeah, I think it was good. Awesome. Of course, actually, check out my CD on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> when you go to sleep, just leave it playing. <laughs> Constantly, right? <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sean. Thanks for having me. That was fun. Show notes for today's episode can be found at clarineat.com slash 87. And while you're there, I invite you to check out ways that you can support the podcast directly. It's a huge help. And as a thank you, if you're a supporter on Patreon, you'll even get early access to high resolution ad free episodes, a chance to ask listener questions and a whole lot more. So check that out too. click the support tab. And I want to remind you that the Clarineat book club this month, the selection is the inner game of music, which is something that I'm working my way through. I'm actually working my way through 
through the inner game of tennis as well, because I've been told by some people that it's actually in some ways even more interesting. So I'm hoping to have both of those books read by the end of the month here in order to discuss them on one of the upcoming book club episodes of the show. So if you haven't checked out that book yet or you haven't thought about reading it, you still got a few weeks and um, you can purchase any book for the book club, even if this is something you're listening to months or years later at clarineat.com slash books. I've got a list of them all there. So be sure to tune in over the next few weeks. There's some really great episodes coming out. One with Garrett Hack, who returns to talk about um, injuries for musicians, which it turns out around 76% of musicians will experience some sort of playing injury in their career that prevents them from playing. I believe it was for at least two weeks, which is just astounding. Um, Also, Dr. Miranda George joins me on the podcast for a conversation about anxiety for musicians. And I'm joined by the Woodwire duo, who talks about what it's like to use a looper pedal and create their latest album, uh, which they've actually sent me a few copies, which will be a fantastic giveaway for those on our email subscriber list. Uh, If you'd like to join that list, head to clarinet.com and uh, enter your email address at the bottom of the page. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you also to the Clarinet production team, which is helping make the show possible every single week. And I'm your host, Sean Perrin, signing off from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I hope you'll join me again soon for more of what's new and neat for clarinet on the Clarinet Podcast. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds.